Hello, one and all. Welcome to episode 20, milestone episode uh, of In The Clinch with myself, Benjamin, and my cousin, Joseph. Unreal. We made it this far. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a long journey. Uh, it's been emotional. We've had ups and downs, but uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we got here, mate. <laughs> We've seen the demise of so many of our heroes on this journey. We have. Like, specifically me and you, like Tony, Jack Ray, Tyron Woodley now as well. Fucking dork. Uh, yeah, many more. To be fair, we saw the demise of Tyron Woodley a while ago. Uh, that is very true. But he's now gone to like a whole new level of just. Nah, it's been... nah I don't want to be too harsh, to be fair, actually. Starting off on a. Starting off MMA podcast with that. Yeah. Nah, well, that's a bit. In summary, uh, we've got three main things to talk about today. Uh, obviously, we had a, a big UFC card. Well, not massive UFC card, but it's fairly big. Uh, you had the ultimate fighter finales taking place. And then we had a main event between Giga Chikadze and Edson Barbosa in like a kickboxing showdown. It was pretty epic. Then we had, obviously, the uh, Jake Paul taking on T-Wood, Tyron Woodley, um, in what everyone hoped would be the demise of Jake Paul. I know everyone just wanted to see him get KO'd stiff. Wasn't to be. Nearly happened, but wasn't to be. And then we've got, well, for us Brits especially, a huge stacked UFC card taking place on British time as well, which is awesome. Main event between uh, Darren Till and Derek Brunson Saturday, the 4th of September, one I cannot wait for. Uh, Joseph, how you doing, first of all, mate? Yeah, good, man. Uh, good bank holiday weekend. Summer's over. Didn't really begin, but it's basically over now. Um, uni in three weeks. So, yeah, pretty good, man. Enjoyed the, the UFC very much on the weekend. So, uh, so, it's one of those cards again, like, it's just so fucking sick. It's so good. Top to bottom, it was delivered. Felt very fulfilled after watching it. It was, uh, yeah, it was It was an awesome card. Uh, one that, again, I guess for casuals might have not been too aware of it. But yeah, for us, it was just a sick card. Um, a lot of finishes, a lot of notable performances. So we'll start with the uh, top of the card. Immense performance from Giga Chikadze taking on Someone who looked like an absolute killer at featherweight in Edson Barbosa. But Giga just really came into his own. It was a bit of a coming out party for him. Uh, I know he finished Cub Swanson in his last fight. But Edson Barbosa is just, I guess, one, I'd say maybe like one tier above um, in terms of quality. And man, Giga just pretty much shot him out. Real masterful kickboxing performance from the Georgian. Yeah, it was really impressive. I think that was, uh, like you say, very much his coming out party. I think it'll be interesting to see how well he does against someone who's going to threaten the takedown because, you know, he can, he'd be able to get off so many kicks and shots so easily because he didn't have to worry about Edson double-legging him at any point. But yeah, he dealt with the pressure really well. I think for like basically the first two rounds, Edson... Like didn't almost had him up against the fence with like very little movement for him to go backwards. It was really pressurizing him. And Giga looked really good. Um his kicks are just so nasty, man. He's such a good kickboxer, his technique. We're talking about his Giga kick, the way he gets his toes like literally into your liver. It's disgusting, but awesome technique. And he landed it multiple times in that fight as well. Mate, he lands that kick so well. It's obviously just yeah. a technique that he's done countless repetitions of and just perfected over years. And man, he just lands it at will. But Edson took quite a few of them really cleanly and took them pretty well. But they just accumulated over time. But not just the kicking, is the way he mixed the kicking and punching, the way he changed levels, head, body, leg attacks, cutting angles, immense head movement, footwork. He's just a wicked kickboxer. He really is. And as you say, if he if he's got takedown defense, I know he threatened with a dash at one point and like an anaconda type choke. Yeah. Um, so he he doesn't look like a slouch on the ground either. 
which I mean, in today's world of MMA, you can't be. But yeah, if he's got half a ground game, he's going to be a problem for most guys at featherweight because yeah, his, his kickboxing's seriously good. Yeah, I think I think he's what like six and zero in the UFC now. I think he came from the contender series. Yeah, look, I I think he's for real. I want to see him fight anyone in the top ten. Don't care who. It's going to be a banger. I I, I think he's doing a really good getting his uh, his name out there as well. Like Giga Jacads. It's a pretty unique name. It's not like a just a normal like Western you know drug addict weather. It's a pretty unique Georgian name. And he just talks a lot. He's been calling out Max Holloway for ages. He's differentiating, differentiating himself from the rest of the division, which is awesome. You know, I think I think he's what his last two fights been finishes. I think I'm pretty sure he's had I think like five, six, six and over five finishes maybe in the UFC so far, off of the uh, contender series as well. So yeah, what do you who do you want to see him fight next? If you if you could pick, yeah. If Zabit was fighting, I'd love to see him fight Zabit. But that's, yeah, well. <laughs> I don't know what's happening with Zabit at the moment, but those two styles, man, <laughs> they would have a scrap. Georgian and a Russian as well. That would be seriously cool to see. But yeah, that's that's more of a dream fight because Zabit's not really fighting at the moment. No, well, haven't, haven't just looked at the rankings. Mm-hmm. Haven't just looked. The thing that makes the most sense is Korean Zombie, surely. Number five v number four. Giga v the Korean zombie. I mean, that is five v four. I just think uh, I think Giga's got slightly better stand up. I think he's a bit more technical than the Korean zombie. I think the way Ortega beat the zombie, I think Giga might kill him. But hey, the featherweight rankings are mad now that they've updated it. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't even fuck it. Everywhere's nine. Mad. Edson Barbosa eight. Ilya Tapuria coming in fourteen. Bryce Mitchell finally got a number next to his name as well. Bryce, mate. He deserves that. He's been a beast. Yeah, no, he does. But uh, yeah, just on, lastly on this, just think maybe, think maybe Edson's father time catching up to him maybe or... Well, yeah, I mean, it feels like he's been around for so long now. Like, he's surely been in the UFC for like over 10 years. He's 35 as well. So it's kind of like, I think if you're, if you're like a welterweight and above... You can probably go on for a few years, but 35 at featherweight, speed and power are going to be the first things to go. So, yeah, I don't know. Bit Pretty sad, to be honest, because after that, I can't see Barbosa challenging for a title, really. Um, but I'd love to see him fight. Like, mate, imagine him v. Cub, Cub Swanson. That would be awesome. Or him v. Arnold Allen would be fun. Calvin Cater the same. I think he's... Still has a big future at featherweight, but yeah, I just I can't see him challenging for a title, which I thought maybe was a possibility before he lost. Um, yeah, in such devastating fashion as well. You're so right. He really was kind of dominated on on the feet. He could, maybe he is like as much of a killer at featherweight that we thought. Maybe Gig is just that good, and maybe Gig is yeah. going to outclass everyone else that he fights. Um, that's the beauty of MMA. You don't really know from one fight to another what the narrative is actually going to be. I definitely think Giga is legit as fuck. I think he... I want to see him fight the strikers. I just think... I don't think anyone's going to come anywhere near Max is the only thing. I think he really is the, the uncrowned champ. I Arguably the pound for pound best fighter in the world. So I think him v Holloway, I hope they meet one day because that would be oh so much fun. So much fun. Yeah, they're both, they both got similar body types as well, long and lanky. But Giga's, yeah, he'll be slept on by like casuals. But he's got an extensive kickboxing career, like high level, high level professional he, kickboxing. He fought in glory. Yeah, yeah. He's glory. Well I, think glory. He was, I think he's 44 and six or 38 and six in kickboxing. So yeah, mate. he's a jit as fuck. A lot of the UFC fighters haven't got close to that. Well, I've never like competed to that level in kickboxing. So. Nah. So the thing with Giga as well, he's kind of done it the right way, I think. He's you know, he's been in glory for ages. Then the sorry, World Series of Fighting, Gladiator, Glory, Dana White Contender Series, back to glory, and then the UFC. You know, he's he's taken the long route. And he's only what he's 33. So he's probably got two, three years left, max, at his absolute best. But it's similar to like Adesanya. He came in 
in his prime ready to take on anyone and everyone. And yep. he's done just that. Barbosa is yep. a massive scalp. Yuri Pahasta as well. Like hone your skills yeah. outside of the UFC. Make sure you're yeah. chipping level material and then enter the UFC with your tools sharpened. That's Giga. Yeah, 100%. It's Giga, mate. But yeah, obviously that wasn't the only fight on the card. There were a couple of absolute scraps. Guys basically fighting for their, their UFC contracts. The ultimate foot. Ultimate Fighter finale fights. First one up, co-main event of the night, you had Brian Battle taking on Gilbert Urbina yeah, in a real back-and-forth scrap. Well done, Brian Battle. Really nice submission at the end. Proper back-and-forth. Just a war. There's not much else to say about it. All three tough fights were so similar. Just literally six guys just putting everything on the line. Like, can't even imagine. I didn't watch any tough, neither did you, but like, we we literally spoken about how we don't like it because... Just so tough. Like, fighters don't need to go through all that shit just to get into the UFC. But, perversely, on the other side, you see how what they go through fuels their performances because all three fights were just so intense and brutal. Um, but yeah, Brian Battle with the clutch submission and then well, Andre Petrovsky with Gilmore with fucking brutal KO. But even that, like, Literally, either of them could have won it. It was so back and forth for two rounds. And then I, I think Petrovsky caught him with... I think he just I think he just punt, knocked him down and then ground and pounded him. I don't think it was like... A lot of it was very grapple-heavy. They're kind of just taking each other down. And then I think Petrovsky just caught him and went. They're both like the typical style of like American wrestling, just with heavy hands, like... T Wood Chandler, that kind of fighter. Yeah, you you can really tell, right? Where of these these uh, Ultimate Fight finale fights, these guys are re- literally fighting for their futures. Like the desperation and the hunger they fight with is crazy. It's admirable to see the standout though of all the Ultimate Fight finale fights. Ricky Tertios taking on Brady High Stand in oh, a fight that was reminiscent of uh, Forrest Griffin Stephen Bonner. That tough finale. Just an absolute scrap. Tertios with a real creative sort of style. Quite long, lanky guy. Um, throwing like a lot of weird spinning stuff. Really groovy jiu-jitsu as well. And then Brady High Stand. Bit more kind of, what's the word? Kind of orthodox striker with good wrestling. Just both really evenly matched, but both fairly different styles. But it was just a joy to watch. Both landed loads of heavy shots. Tertius, some of those uh, back and forth exchanges where they were just standing in the pocket, swinging, it was crazy to see. Awesome fight. Some of the grappling transitions as well. Fucking Tertius throwing up triangles from everywhere. Yeah. It was like, uh, Brand Brady, you want to try and grapple? Tertius got jujitsu for days. Yeah, what a war, man. I'm well happy for all of them, to be fair. like, I know we shot on top a bit, but... It is sick, and they're going to keep on doing it. I just think, hopefully, next time they have more entertaining coaches, so that it's actually more enjoyable to watch. Just because this year, uh, I really, I really like both Ortega and Bolt, but uh, I don't really want to, don't really care for them too much watching them on telly. The uh, interesting thing about that Tertius high stand fight is that they'd been teammates in the tough house, so they would have been training together for like. <laughs> that whole show and then they had to fight each other that's kind of the interesting dynamic with tough is that you get these guys who've been training for like the last 10 plus years to get to this point and then they're forced to like train and live together and then at the end of the road potentially fight each other for their futures like it's a bit it's a bit mad like uh psychologically that's it's a bit of a mind fucking <laughs> but yeah unbelievable fight it's what Dana said on like his fight. Why he always loves tough. He's like, if you can, if you can win tough, it's like the toughest thing you're ever going to do. You can do anything. And to be fair, history would back that up. Like Nate Diaz, Kelvin Gastelum, Michael Bisping, Usman, fucking Tony Ferguson. Uh, oh, there's so many more. I'm forgetting. But yeah, like it's true. If you can kind of win tough and do well there, chances are you're going to do fucking well in the UFC. Yeah. In essence, 
tough is tough. Yeah. Yeah. Tough is tough, eh? <laughs> Another notable performance on the card. D-Rod, Daniel Rodriguez beating the infamous Kevin Lee. And what was a pretty entertaining fight. I quite enjoyed that fight. Uh, Kevin Lee is a frustrating fighter to watch because you can see like the the potential is there and he'll like land a, some sick takedown then he just won't like advance position or he won't do enough to advance position or uh, he'll, he'll like land a flurry and then just kind of freeze but yeah uh, I think the weight had a factor to play but basically over the three rounds Daniel Rodriguez got the better of him on the feet was able to uh, sort of beat the shit out of him yeah but he beat the shit out of him but <laughs> He he was I he, I thought he was pretty strong off his back in, with the grappling. So whenever he was yeah, taken yeah. down or against the fence, you could just tell he was physically stronger than Kevin Lee. But as I said, I think the weight really does have a factor to play because D-Rod looked sizably bigger than Kevin Lee, I thought. And Kevin Lee's obviously put on muscle to get to welterweight. It's I guess it's more of a natural weight for him, but it looked like he put on a bit of muscle. And as we've seen before kind of slowed down more the fight went on if Aldo can make 35 and Barbosa can make 45 Kevin Lee can make lightweight I totally agree I think like if there's ever an argument for a 162 pound division it's Kevin Lee because he's like in bang plan middle of two weight classes but yeah I mean he's not big enough for 170 that's for sure D-Rod like D-Rod's a big guy but he's not to be fair he's actually massive um, but yeah, Kevin Lee definitely just looked like a bloated lightweight, really. Yeah, Kevin Lee, man, he's just frustrating. He talks too much. Like, just be, just get good. But why? Stop telling you how good you're gonna get. Just fucking get good. You haven't changed in seven years. Like, literally, no evolution as a fighter at all. You've taken like a year and a half off. You got some fucking tattoo of some samurai on your back and head. Be the same fighter, like even with Frasa Harbi in your corner, that was a big thing. Maybe we thought you're going to be transformed, but same guy, like no evolution as a fighter. He just talks too much, man. Like, I just think I wish he would just literally just shut up and just get better because, uh, yeah, it's kind of just annoying. Because, like you say, D Rod did really just beat the shit out of him. He pieced Kevin Lee up, man. His boxing smoothed D Rod. Yeah, he is and he's sick. Got, he's clearly got very heavy hands. And he landed so much on Kevin Lee. Uh, yeah, he gave him... He wobbled him quite a few times. Yeah, he landed... Really uh, I mean, the, the stats are... 120 significant strikes for D-Rod compared to 56 for Kevin Lee. And like, yeah. Yeah, I just... Kevin Lee, like, you literally summed it up perfectly. He's just so frustrating. Like, he has so much potential, but... Yeah, for me, it's just the fact that he talks too much. It's just it's annoying. Like, you know, like raising your hand at the end there. What? Mm. What you did? You clearly lost. Like, well, you really you thought know. you won that. Yeah, it's just yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's really frustrating. But at the same, like, I I kind of do sympathise because I can imagine. I still think he could make fifty five easily. If if Aldo, if, if Jose Aldo can make one hundred and thirty five pounds, nah. I don't fucking care. Kevin Lee can definitely make 55. Yeah, I totally agree. It's probably just like a diet thing. But yeah. And he'd be better at 55. You think, oh, he's given Kevin up. Kevin Lee. You're going to be Usman, are you? Yeah. He's, mate, he's given up in too many fights. Like, yeah. Oh, that's a, that, is a, that is the best point. It, yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I don't know if he likes the work. I don't know if like when it, when it comes to like the heavy grind. Obviously... I'm just sitting here like 23 fucking <laughs> some lazy fuck trying about talking about oh he doesn't like the work but like as a fighter I don't think he really relishes in like that uncomfortable zone where you're fucked and like you need to keep pushing when he gets to that point in a lot of fights we've seen him kind of just mentally give up yeah when yeah. it going gets tough when you go into that last round that time where you have to dig deep as fuck and go to a dark place like you say I can't really remember a fight where he did that in one really nah even in that Tony fight he started really well and like mounted Tony was like kind of he looked like he was dominating in the first round and had some good moments 
first bit of adversity that comes, Tony starts piecing him up with elbows from the bottom. He kind of just looked mentally defeated before it was even finished by Tony. And we've seen that since in a number of fights. Oliveira fight as well. Exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, look, like I, I enjoy watching Kevin Lee fight, but yeah, he's just an incredibly frustrating fighter. But hey, you know what? Fucking, I don't even care, eh? So, yeah, fuck it. Just uh, move on. GM3. Petrovsky in his ultimate fight finale, got the TKO, KO TKO against Michael Gilmore. So, shouts to Andre Petrovsky. And then, man, <laughs> Gerald Mearshart. This was mad. One opening fight of the main card. Muradov. Sorry. Mahmoud Muradov. This guy looked like an absolute killer. Landed so many heavy shots on Gerald Mearshart. Looked like he had him on his feet on multiple occasions. Then GM3 is just like, Matt, you're not gonna uh you're not gonna hams at me, Matt. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking kill ya. <laughs> it's pretty crazy how many shots he took from uh from Muradov. But then you look at the hands that fight and you think one and out. That yeah. must have been like perfect, perfect punch. Placement, yeah. But I don't, yeah, it was some of those shots just look like they should have put him out. But Mershart just somehow gained a chin and just kept moving forward, kept moving forward, stuck with it, managed to transition to Muradov's back and sunk in a rear naked. It was wild. Crazy to see. It was completely against the run of play. But yeah, massive shout out to GM3, Gerald Mearshart. What a win. Yeah, it was a tremendous win. I was happy for him as well, man, because that hands that knockout must have kept him awake for quite a long time, eh? Pretty traumatizing. Well, not traumatizing, but for a fighter going out like that is pretty brutal. Um, you just know how much he was ridiculed online as well. And yeah, he would probably be aware of that as much as he wouldn't want to be. Uh, so like, and he's a legit BJJ black belt as well. So yeah, you want to put some respect on his name, but he does get hit. Like in that fight, he got hit, man. <laughs> they were saying like he's a notorious slow starter. Yeah, Gerald, <laughs> don't start slow, man. <laughs> just, <laughs> but it's easy, easier said than done, obviously. But like, he just yeah. he did get hit a lot. Like his brain will not be thanking him for that fight. But I respect him for getting the dub. That was class. From what I hear as well, he's like very much one of those fighters who um just like awesome in the gym. But sometimes it doesn't for one reason or another, it doesn't uh transfer sometimes to the octagon. But yeah, I know that he's trained he trains with um Paul Felder. Paul Felder, that's it. And what Sean Brady and what do you you know is that Philadelphia gym? I actually don't know to be fair. And uh, I think with uh, Balam Mohammed as well. I might be wrong on that, but yeah, I've just heard from them that he's like unbelievable training partner as well. Um, really team team man, just a solid guy as well. Plays the saxophone too. Pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, that is cool. But uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, fucking good for him, man. He's a top man. So one hundred percent. Moving on to the prelims, obviously. <laughs> so the main. The main fight of the prelims was between Alessio the Chirico and Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Uh, on paper, looked like it could be a serious scrap. Abdul Razak Al Hassan, generally, I know he got finished by Chaos Williams, but that guy's like a murderer. He's got so many finish on it, on finishes on his record, early finishes as well. Then Alessio the Chirico, coming off his head kick win against Joaquin Buckley, it was set up to be a scrap. And Abdul Razak Al Hassan was just like, nah, <laughs> how about I just head kick you within the first 20 seconds and take your soul from your body the way you did Joaquin Barkley, Matt? And that's exactly what he did. One of the most brutal head kicks I've ever seen, without question. Reminiscent of Jashiriko's head kick of Joaquin Barkley, poetic justice, one might say. But yeah, that was insane. Mouth wide open moment, eh? Yeah, that was so fucking mad. That was so mad. I want to know what was your reaction? Because were you expecting a war? Did you not have any? Ah, uh, yeah. Softly, I told you it was a war. <laughs> so yeah. So I asked any notable fights on the prelims, and Joe said, "Yeah, the Shiriko Al Hassan, absolute war, mate." So I was like, "Oh, here we go. This is going to be sick." And then, yeah, 
like <laughs> 17 seconds 17 seconds in at how how hassan like one of the first shots he throws head kick brutal head kick ko one and done bang shin to the chin all over me i was just like hey, all right <laughs> that's mad <laughs> wasn't expecting that not at all but geez that was brutal that was brutal that hurt my head just watching yeah something about those head kicks when it's shin when it misses the actual foot and it's a shin you're just like you just get a fucking baseball bat around the head yeah you need to take like a year off Matt <laughs> yeah reconsider literally. your choices but that can but, happen to anyone it's really not like you don't go skill for skill. It's just like, oh, it's basically just like a flash knockout. And Hassan is just so explosive. Like in the early minutes of any fight, he's literally just like a prize greyhound out of trap. He's just like bat, 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 landing yeah, I'm literally, insanely I'm literally, heavy shots. <laughs> I'm literally just watching a gif of the knockout again. Yeah. On Twitter. It was bad. It's mad. It's like so, it's so weird how similar it is to Jakut. Jacario, just like that kick that's disguised as like a body kick, and then it, just like the switch the and torque. just the shin. Oh, so brutal! The so he, brutal. he literally he literally rotates his hip like fully yeah. to the side as well. He puts everything into that kick, and it lands perfectly. And just the just can't get his hand up quick enough. Uh, yeah. So yeah, if you guys want to see a seriously brutal but perfectly timed head kick KO. Abdul Al Abdul Razak Al Hassan, bit of a mouthful. His KO over Alessio Deshiriko, another mouthful. Insane. Check out on YouTube. Uh, you won't regret it if you enjoy violence. Yeah. Uh, so was in Down Stewart, unfortunately, got knocked out. And what was the other fight on the prelims? Uh, was Sam Alvey Wellington Terman. Sam Alvey. Yeah. Uh, Alvey's lost five in a row now. Yeah. Uh, you're probably going to get cut, smiling Sam and Matt. Yeah. JJ Udrich <coughs> put on a really, really good performance over Vanessa Demopoulos. Mate, <laughs> is this just the card of the most difficult names to pronounce or what? What's yeah. going on here? <laughs> Pat Sabatini, mate. Uh, Guido Canetti. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking jokes, then. Jamal Emmis, Pat Sabatini. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's one thing I have the most respect for, like John Anik, Michael Bisping, Paul Felder. I have Bruce, to learn these names. Bruce Buffer. Yeah. Bruce Buffer has to Bruce shout. Buffer, yeah, well, he has to shout then. Yeah. yeah, but to be fair, he has to shout for like Felder, Bisping. Commentators have to like watch their entire fight discography and write their shit down and then learn their names. At least Buffer only has to learn. And now, it's time for. Yeah, but because because you're shouting it, it's like so much more pronounced. <laughs> so yeah, that's you mess true, it up yeah. and you're like, Jumbo, since uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it's like you're shouting it. So it's, if you mess it up, it's, it's pretty like everyone knows. Yeah, that's bare truth. Remember seeing that he um in one of the pay per views, he fucking snapped his ACL from stamping. No one does a stamp when he says it's time. Yeah, he snapped his ACL by doing that. Man. And then he like limped off. I think it was for Usman Colby 1, I think. He literally was screaming like, it's time. And when he screams time, he stamps his foot down. Bang, pop, leg went. And then he just limped off like really quickly. He was like, fuck, I can't walk. I can, imagine, off. I can imagine people being like, Oh my god! How did you hurt your foot? It's like, uh, was that a UFC event? Oh, you're a fighter, are you? Oh no, no. Uh, announcer. Uh, I was uh, just talking. Hey, just got injured, like announcing <laughs> announcing a fight. Hey. Yeah. Well, I think we should probably uh, talk about uh, he who shall not be named. Falling in and out of love, in and out of love with you. I was, I was really hoping that he'd like win and sing that after. But. Yeah. Okay, so obviously this weekend was Tyron Woodley, Jake Paul. <sighs> this was T-Wood's chance of redemption. The whole MMA world was behind him. And he came almighty close 
to finishing Jake Paul, knocked him through the ropes, and then for whatever reason just decided to stand off and fucking showboat instead of finishing the job. <sighs> In fairness, I think, right, so it went the distance. Jake Paul, for the most part, kept his distance, landed a few jabs. Honestly, didn't, and I mean, he landed like one really good overhand that Tyron Woodley just ate and didn't react to. If you bought that fight, you're literally such a fool. You've been robbed again uh, by the Paul brothers. But yeah, I think you have to give it for Jake Paul credit because I think a lot of people thought that T Wood was going to dust him up. Uh, wasn't to be, though. I mean, I said he's going to lose, so... <laughs> you did? Didn't think he'd win, eh? Um, uh, what, to, what to say? What to say? Um, I'm personally, I don't, I'm done with um, my, any interest I have in Jay Paul fighting MMA fighters. I had a little, a little interest in it, and now, after that, I don't know. I just... I just don't think you'll ever see a really competitive fight. Like, I think, I don't think that's sport. It's entertainment. Jake Paul picked a welterweight to fight who was fucking a lot smaller than him. Like, he was. If you, if you look at it, Paul had a massive reach advantage, was taller. You know, Woodley's fighting 20 pounds over his normal weight class. Well, I don't know if you don't know what else to say. I just thought it was dog shit. Um, wasn't uh, that entertaining for me? I think if you're talking pure boxing, I think Jake Paul actually looked technically like the better boxer than Woodley. Yeah, he's a better bo- He's a good boxer. Like I have no qualms in saying admitting that. I think he's a good boxer. I think he landed some nice combinations as well, like jab. I think like jab two body jabs and a hook and uppercuts and shit. Like there were times when. I mean, I didn't even watch it. I watched the highlights, but yeah, they have a few t- combinations where it looked like he was landing on Woodley quite consistently, but yeah. it's shit. Why is he not fighting? If you want to fight him, may fight, fight someone who's your weight and more than anything, I think. Yeah, I think there's talk of him potentially fighting Tommy Fury in a boxing fight. Apparently uh, he was dog shit as well. So Yeah, no, I heard that. I heard that as well. It's basically... Two like reality stars going at it, I suppose. I but, saw on on the commentary team, Dave Portnoy was on there for some reason, and he said that Tommy Fury has a future. Sorry, Tommy Fury only has a future in OnlyFans because like he's just a model. He's like a good-looking guy, so and he can't box. He was like he's a terrible boxer. He's just become a model, and I was like, yeah. Uh, this looks really professional. This does. I mean, a commentator is saying, uh, "This fight is shit at what he's doing, and he needs to start on OnlyFans." But look, I understand the entertainment. It's entertaining if you're a casual fan. No problem with that. Make their money. But when you have a UFC card that was as good as that the night before, and it's competitive of that as that was, why I don't give I don't care for seeing low quality boxing by non-boxers so uh it's basically how i feel about it yeah i think the way woodley responded to the loss as well instantly calling for a rematch saying he'll get a fucking tattoo on his leg saying i love jake paul yeah what the fuck is going on what do you think of the chances that jake paul makes him get the tattoo and just says yeah no i'm not giving you a rematch 100 percent is what's gonna happen a hundred percent but yeah that's a fucking circus. Loads of shit anyway. And yeah, we all just wanted to see T Wood KO Jake Paul. And he nearly did. But then just went back to classic T Wood that we've seen the last five, six years. Just doesn't want to throw. Gets a bit timid. Shells up. Yeah. Just don't think he wants I don't think he really wants to be a pro fighter anymore. I don't know if he he's quite he's what how is he? Th- late thirties? Thirty eight. Yeah. Thirty nine even, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, again, hand-picked opponent for Jake Paul, but credit to Jake Paul. He's doing his thing, making loads of money, making noise. His Mate, I think one of, the, one of the things as well, he gave 
I think he gave a two two million quid in bonuses to people on on the card. So, like, let me let me get it up because from what I have seen, I'm pretty sure he gave the woman on the on on the co-main who I can't remember her name unfortunately. I'll get it up now. I think he gave her five hundred grand as a bonus. I'm pretty sure it all came out of his pocket as well. I think he gave gave Woodley two hundred twenty grand bonus. Gave the guy Tommy Fury fought fifty k bonus. Gave Serrano five hundred thousand bonus, and her pay was only forty two k. Gave the other woman fifty k bonus, and her pay was sixteen thousand. Gave like another like fifty k bonuses, whatever. In all fairness, like that is class. Yeah, I think he was definitely trying to make a point about UFC fighter pay and how I think the UFC is pretty stingy with their bonuses. It's usually like 50k. I know there's talk of it being increased to 75k. But even that, like, should be 100 at least. I feel like the UFC's definitely got the financial ability to increase their bonuses. Again, I just think they're so profit-orientated and yeah. I, but I 100% wholeheartedly believe they could increase the bonuses and it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference to them financially, but yeah. I totally agree, but I reckon Gerald Mearshart, actually, that's a bad example. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, on this card, the co-main event, Tommy Fury got 722 grand and his opponent got 52 grand. The next card down, Serrano got 42k, Mercado got 16k. So, you know, I, I, I agree UFC needs to pay the fighters more, but Look at the boxing fights here. You have a guy on the main card who earned eight grand for to box. I feel like in the UFC, I think that's where the base pay is like twenty five. I feel. Um, uh, low down prelim guys get like ten, fifteen. Ten, fifteen. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying the pay on here is pretty shit as well. But yeah, no, I'm totally with you. He does, does definitely doing it just to say Dana White pay your fighters. Um, I don't know. I. I, I kind of hope he carries on fighting MMA guys. I find that slightly more interesting than him having boxing. But yeah, the whole thing, I just don't find it very entertaining. Eh? Yeah, fuck it. It's a load of shit anyway, mate. <laughs> so from moving on from what was an absolute shambles of a card, in the Paul Woodley fiasco, uh, you've got a legitimate quality UFC fight card next weekend or this weekend shall we say main evented by Darren Till and Derek Brunson card that was supposed to be in the O2 in London but thankfully the UFC have uh, decided to make it more British fan friendly so the main card I believe or the prelims kick off at 7 7 p.m. UK time so I guess the main event will be around 11 10 10, 11, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. UK fight fans can enjoy it at a sensible time. Don't have to wake up at five in the morning or record it and then watch it the next day, which is awesome. We'll go bottom to top to preview the card. Some standout fights in the prelims. You've got undefeated Welsh prospect Jack Shaw taking on Ludovic Scholinian. <laughs> I know Jack Shaw had about four opponents pull out. Yes. Yeah. Apparently he's quite feared. And you can see why with his record. Undefeated. Oh, and Jack Shaw. Re- representing the all the mandem from Abitillery. BJJ Black Belt. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, he's such a prospect. I haven't actually watched too many of his fights. I remember watching some of his cage fight. Um, sorry, no. Cage Warrior fights when he became Bantamweight champ. Didn't he? No, I'm thinking of Brett Johns. I was going to say, I thought he did the calf slicer, but no, he didn't. But yeah, he's a massive prospect. I think he's in the UFC so far. Two submissions, wins, and a decision. So yeah, I think his striking is there. Oh no, sorry, his grappling is there. Pretty high level BJJ. So yeah, let's see. I mean, he's fighting a bantamweight. So of all the divisions, it's like the biggest shark tank at the moment. So yeah, yeah we'll see how well he does. 26. He's got a lot of time ahead of him. So absolutely. Uh, another standout on the prelims, though. Uh, the meatball, Molly McCann, mm. 
Scouser is her her bow out, her last fight, according to her. She says she's going to retire after this fight. Representing the UK, representing Liverpool, taking on G Yeon Kim. So that's like main event of the prelims. Should be a good scrap. Molly McCann's little beast. But yeah, that's that's another one to look forward to for sure. Then we move on to the main card, stacked from top to bottom. Kicking off with the notorious Paddy the Baddy Pimblet making his UFC debut. The blonde, long-haired Scouse. Long overdue, it feels like, because I've been hearing about this guy for ages. Uh, but I think he's just been sort of co- honing his skills within Cage Warriors. Um, you heard a lot about the guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have. Good and bad. I'm really looking forward to seeing him go. I think he's a massive prospect. I'm just I'm really curious to see because the level of grappling in the UK is nowhere near the standard of grappling in America. So having like someone coming out of Britain who's supposedly like a really high level grappler, we're gonna find out. But it could potentially be a rude awakening for him because there's probably a chance he hasn't been exposed to, you know, the grappling of the Americans, Brazilian jiu-jitsu experts. But having said that, you know, we'll see. You know, he's first fight in the UFC, so we'll see who's getting on. I think Luigi Vendramini, uh, I think he's like one and one in the UFC or one and two. So, you know, a good first fight for him to get a win under his belt and then go from there. Yeah, I remember from 2016, uh, Paddy Pimblett fought Julian Erosa who finally enough is also on this card further down the prelims. But yeah, they fought each other in Cage Warriors 2016. And it was like touted as Pimblet's last fight in Cage Warriors before he goes to the UFC. He's going to fight a guy who's just been on the ultimate fighter. He's going to prove how good he is. And Erosa basically just shut him out uh, over five rounds. And then everyone was like, eh, nah, <laughs> Paddy's not ready for the <laughs> UFC, mate. But that was in 2016. Yeah. Five years later, I can imagine he learned a hell of a lot from that experience and has come on leaps and bounds. As you say, I think his grappling has always been highly rated. I don't think his stand-up was quite where it needed to be. Now, hopefully, that's caught up. And, yeah, he's someone who talks so well that if he gets a few wins under his belt, he's got real, like, star power potential. So it'll be interesting to see how he does. Uh, I hope I hope he does well. Just like really brash, cocky Liverpudlian. Um, so yeah, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see. I'm I'm look I'm really looking forward to seeing his debut. Actually, yeah, no, you're so right. He really has the gift of the gab. I think he was saying like he's just talking, just talking. I think any anyone who can stand out from the crowd doing a good job. I, I think I was seeing him on aerial on the MMA hour saying he's just going to come in and beat everyone, knock everyone out. So he's going to be putting UFC staff in headlocks and shit. I was like, all right. <laughs> not sure they'd appreciate that, but... <laughs> yeah, no, he, he's he's someone who just, he will create a lot of headlines, especially if he gets a few wins under his belt. He'll generate a lot of buzz. Yeah. He's got a sick walkout. He just plays some mad house tune and gets everyone pumped. I love his mm. walkouts. If, you, if anyone wants to see a good walkout, Paddy Pimblett in Liverpool, wicked walkout, gets everyone so pumped. Shame is it's not going to be in front of an audience because he seems to really thrive in front of an audience. But yeah, in his last fight, he wasn't in front of an audience and he still murked the geese. So next fight up on the card, though, another really interesting one. Uh, Modestas Bukowskash, another really easy name to pronounce, is taking on Khalil Roundtree Jr., who spends all his time in Thailand now, has a proper like old school Muay Thai style all of a sudden. And yeah, taking on Modestas Bashauskas or something, who's a, also representing the UK. Was uh, my last memory of him was being KO'd viciously by Jimmy Crew. But yeah, uh, that should probably be a stand-up war. What would you say? Fucking oath. Better <laughs> forward to this one. Khalil Roundtree is just win or lose. It's going to be a sick fight. Um, coming off two back-to-back losses as well. So yeah, I really hope. Man, I actually just love Khalil Roundtree. So, yeah, I really hope he steps up and just we just see some crazy clinch elbows mm. to uh, destroy old Modestus. 
But it's it's an interesting fight because, as you said, they're actually both coming off back to back double losses. So yeah, uh, they could potentially be fighting for a place to remain in the UFC. But I don't want to put that too far out there. Uh, I'm I don't realize Mod- Modestus is fighting out of Buckinghamshire, England. Yeah, yeah, UK fighter. Yeah, uh, with a name like Modestus Bukowskis. <laughs> Early English name that yeah. I thought he'd be thought he'd find out of Lithuania, but fair. I didn't know he trained. Uh, yeah, Jinter's combat. May the best no. man win there. May the best man win. Then you've got a welterweight yeah. scrap between Alex Morono, David Zawada. Alex Morono coming off his biggest win of his career, uh, beat Cowboy Cerrone, taking on David Zawada, who I'll admit, I don't really know anything about. German mixed martial arts currently there. Uh, oh, he's German, coming off. Uh, defeat to Ram Ramazan Emiv. However, he did submit Abubakar Nurmagomedov, uh, Khabib's cousin, in his fight before nice. that. So yeah, Alex Moreno, David Zawada, they look pretty well matched up, really similar records. And then you've got the big boy, Tom Aspinall, potential future of uh, UK UFC or UK MMA. Haven't watched a lot of his interviews, seen a lot of his fights. I'm on the bandwagon, man. Think he could definitely do some damage. Didn't realize, but he used to be a sparring partner for Tyson Fury for quite a while. So you can tell he's got some pretty high level boxing. And you saw that, you've seen that in a lot of his fights already. He's got really fast hands, moves like a middleweight, explosive, sick on the ground. Yeah. I'm sold, man. I think he could do real damage. Taking on uh, Sergei Spivak, the Spivmeister. <laughs> So, yeah, hopefully our boy Tom pulls through Wigan proud and uh, does the business. I would just say believe the hype. I think he'll be champion within three years easily. Um, I think he's the next generation of heavyweight, similar to Garn, moves like a middleweight, BJJ black belt with crazy hands. So, yeah, give him a few years. I've no doubt he'll be champion one day. Yeah. Or at least be competing for a title one day. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that leads us on nicely to the main event, the gorilla, Darren Till, taking on Derek Bronson. Yeah, I'm going to let you talk about this one, mate, because I feel like I've talked about it a lot. Oh, yeah, cheers, man. The gorilla, finally back after... Last night was Whitaker, isn't it? So it's about over a year, just about a year ago. So meant to fight Vittori in... Was it last October or so? Broke his collarbone. And then the Bronson fight's kind of been hovering around for a good few months. So I'm happy he's back, to be honest. I think he's probably been in and out of training camps for about a year now. So obviously putting a load of hard work for Vittori and then broke his collarbone coming back from that. I looked, uh, I saw an in- interview with him and the Schmo earlier today and he looks in really good shape. It's awesome to see, you know, he's such a sick guy. Eh? So yeah, and I think he'll get it done. Uh, I don't between Brunson will be able to take him down and keep him down so I will probably stay on his feet and so I think Till's a better striker so I reckon if I had to make a prediction I'd say Till's going to win by decision or he'll knock him out in the later rounds I could see him definitely eating a knee or an elbow just from like maybe shooting for a takedown when he shouldn't be and Till countering but yeah I can't really see Brunson I only see one route to victory for Bronson and it's taken down. I don't think he'll be able to. So, yeah. He might be able to take him down. I just don't think he'll be able to hold him down, to be honest. Till's so good. At yeah. No, yeah, you're right. I, yeah, I wouldn't. I reckon he'll definitely get him down once or twice. But, yeah, not for long. I reckon Till will be straight back up. I think yeah. Vitil as well is coming off. because So, ever since the Wicker fight, he's been training for Vittori. So, for a year, he's been training for a wrestler. Vittori and Holland. Sorry. Victorian Bronson, if you're Till, you're basically going to be preparing in very similar ways because they're very similar fighters. So, yeah, I hope he knocks Bronson out, though. I really would love nothing more than to see him put on a masterclass, bang him out in two rounds, get on the mic, Israel Adesanya, taking everything I worked for, motherfucker, and, uh, yeah, get a title shot. But before the end of the year or something. Yeah. My only hope for Till is that he doesn't have... The same mindset he had going into the Woodley fight where he was like a bit too relaxed because he thought he was so much better on the feet and then ended up getting clipped. 
but I, I don't yeah. think I could see that happening. I think Till's, uh, I think Till's matured, matured a, lot. a lot since. Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like that would be the only way Branson could get the dub here. But I, yeah, I think, I think mentally Till's developed so much, and if he fights the way he did against Whitaker, that was such a razor close fight. I think we'll do the business against Bronson for sure. Wikipedia is saying that Derek Bronson has a 2.5 reach advantage. But I just don't believe that. <laughs> I I just don't believe that. I think Till's bigger than him. Yeah, I mean... I think Wikipedia's trans shit. Yeah, but Bronson is a big lad until yeah. fighting a welterweight beforehand. But yeah, Something else. Mate, Bronson's 10 years older than Till. Bronson's 37. That's pretty crazy. He's been around for ages. I think if you look at Bronson's history, what happened when he came up against the elite strikers in Whitaker, Adesanya? Maybe he's he learned from those experiences, out. though, and he just tries his absolute best to hold Till against the cage and just make it a really boring fight. But hopefully not. He could could see that from him. Don't be surprised if we see that from him. Yeah, he's won four in a row as well, in fairness. He hasn't lost in Adesanya fight, so he's no yeah. joke. I've definitely not given him the respect he deserves, but yeah, that's only because the team too, obviously. Yeah. Up the but, gorilla, uh, up the gorilla, let's have it. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I think it'll be a good fight either way. I can't see... I just think Till's reach management as well is so good. I, I really can't see Bronson causing him too many problems, really, unless he... Like you say, because even in the clinch, like I, Till's fucking Muay Thai yeah. legend. Like he's skilled in the clinch, mate. Yeah, so I can't really see Bronson getting the advantage there, and he just hits so hard, man. His elbows are so mean. Coming off all that time off as well, I reckon Till's going to be so fired up, put on a show. He knows he wins this in emphatic, in emphatic fashion. A title shot is a very big possibility. So, eh, looking forward to it. And me. I can't wait. I'm going to be watching it together as well. Yeah. Going to a rugby match on Saturday. Cardiff, uh, Harlequins. And then after that, UFC, baby. Fucking no. It's like a good eight hours of sport. <laughs> yeah. Get that into my veins. Can't wait. Yeah. Along with the heroin, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about that. Uh, yeah, I think we'll wrap it up there. It's been an absolute pleasure as always, mate. Episode 20 in the bag. Thanks to everyone for your continued support. Um, all our regular listeners really appreciate it. And new listeners, of course. So, yeah, thank you all and enjoy the weekend's festivities. Yeah, come on down until, mate. Come on, all the English lads on the card. Let's, Let's do it. Go. Yeah. Let's go. Come on, the gorilla maids. You can do it. Eh, this has been fun. We'll see you in the next one.